find the original epicenter of your value and what I would call the dominant aspect of value. I've been using this term for quite a while, the dominant aspect of value. We all claim to provide value. What does value look like? Well, we all know value is in the mind of the beholder. Welcome to Smashing the Plateau. We help you get unstuck so you can do what you love and get paid what you're worth consistently. I'm your host, David Schreiner-Khan. Today on Smashing the Plateau, J.D. Gershbein, LinkedIn consultant and personal brand strategist, returns for a second episode. In this episode, J.D. shares strategies that can help you leverage LinkedIn for success as a consultant. Stay with us to hear all the details. J.D. and I discuss how important your network is when you are a consultant. That's one of the reasons why relationships are the foundation of the Smashing the Plateau community. Inside the Smashing the Plateau community, you'll experience the camaraderie of supportive, collaborative colleagues. You'll also find a range of tools and resources to support your business, access to experts, and answers to your burning questions. Check out the Smashing the Plateau community so that you can build a successful consulting business on your own terms doing what you love and getting paid what you're worth. Learn more at smashingtheplateau.com slash community. That's smashingtheplateau.com slash community. Now let's welcome back J.D. Gershbein. Since 2006, J.D. has been at the forefront of the social media conversation. One of the world's first independent LinkedIn consultants, J.D. pioneered a model of authentic business communication that serves ambitious professionals striving to make their mark in the digital age. As a speaker, facilitator, writer, and media producer, he draws upon his diverse academic background, a fusion of psychology, neuroscience, and the humanities, and the improvisation skills he honed at Chicago's famed Second City to bridge the knowledge gap that exists between professionals and the virtual world. J.D., welcome back to the show for part two. Good to be back with you. My gosh, I I survived the cut and made it to part two. How about that? <laughs> yeah, there actually there aren't that many guests that that we've had on um, actually in close succession, part one and part two. But yeah. you know, we, you and I finished recording the first episode and realized that we covered a lot of territory that is really important for consultants that are positioning themselves and building their business following a long career as a high achieving employee. But we didn't actually do a lot in terms of the details of how they might be able to use LinkedIn to leverage their success and propel them or position them and propel them as early on as possible. And as I thought about it, since we recorded that previous episode, one of the things that occurred to me is this is a conversation that I have with with clients all the time, which is when you are in corporate, LinkedIn generally represents you tied to the company that pays your salary and your self-identity is very much tied to who you say you work for and what your job title is. And then going from that to starting a consulting business, particularly if you've started your consulting business where you don't have any clients yet, which is very common, whether you've been pushed out or you've left on your own, it's often very hard to actually get a consulting business 
going from day one where you have a paying client from day one, usually it takes some time to kind of figure out exactly what you're going to offer, how are you going to offer it, develop the relationships that will that will get you that first sale, et cetera. So in the interim, I've had many people say to me, like, what do I do with my LinkedIn profile? I can no longer say that I'm employed by such and such, but I don't want to leave it blank saying that I'm doing nothing right now. That doesn't look good either. What do I do? So I'm going to turn this over to you, J.D., enough of my intro. What do you do on day one? Like you were working yesterday, you were working for, for you know, XYZ Corporation or, or whatever, and today you're not. What do you do with your LinkedIn profile? Right. And people come to that day one, sometimes abruptly, sometimes unceremoniously. They haven't prepared and others, uh, they, they've seen the writing on the wall. They've been protecting their turf at their jobs for many years. And then suddenly they realize, well, I no longer care. I have to take certain autonomies and get my acting gear for the next phase of, of my career. So some of this has been kind of humming along in the background, whereas others, it becomes a sudden brain dump as to what their value will be moving forward as a consultant slash boutique service provider slash entrepreneur uh, building a new practice. So there's a lot of that that kind of works in the background. I meet folks at some phase of a rebrand. I think at this stage of the game where LinkedIn is, it's no longer about the newbie coming into business. It's about people who are leveraging their careers that that may have been thrown off their trajectory, who are now leaving corporate America and beginning a new adventure working for themselves. What do you do? You're sitting in isolation. You're staring at a blinking cursor, wondering what to write about yourself. You're moving away from a resume now and into the world of marketing collateral. You need clients. You have suddenly entered the eat-what-you-kill world. And the other factor, David, would be if if the consultancy is what we would call an interim consultancy. Are, are you going to take on gigs or or hope to land consulting assignments until the next good corporate opportunity comes along? In which case, that also is a writing challenge on the profile. How do you position yourself so that you can get clients interested in your expertise, but at the same time, get potential employers interested in your skill set? There are a lot of things to consider when you're at that day one, but obviously the beauty of the profile is that it's your brand capture in real time. It's who you are now. It's what you're thinking right now and how you're going to play it to get to the next piece. It's individual. It varies across uh, each person. So what are some of the things that you have seen clients do early on that Mm -hmm. works really well? Well, if you're a consultant, you're a consultant. If you're really going on that trail, you you can't create confusion. You have to do what I call disambiguate yourself. In other words, remove all impurities, vague areas, blind spots, uh, all of those things that people might confuse your value proposition with and go in as an advisor, uh, advisor branding on the profile. You talk about leveraging your corporate experience. You are no longer Uh, working for the company. You are now an entrepreneur. You are helping others uh, who may have some problem in business. You've moved from an an employee to a service provider mentality. And that's where the profile really can be instrumental in pacing with this change. Folks who are adapting and who are managing the adaptation very well, just a few sentences on the profile can clarify this. And as you move forward within the transition, uh, if it's a full landing into a consultancy, then you are that person. You are a company name, an entity 
you have a logo, you have branding, you have a value proposition, you have a mission, vision, and value statement, and you're ideally in alignment with those you serve, as opposed to just casting a, a net out there uh, with, with some width or depth. Uh, you're in the arena, as they say. So I think what I'm hearing from you, J.D., is that the first thing you need to do is have a conversation with yourself where you are really clear on who you are. Self-assessment. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And during the pandemic, I, I'll add this, David. I mean, I, I mean, what have we been doing as we take this? We're, <laughs> we're, we're coming up to our third year of house arrest. If we haven't been doing this self-examination and this recalibration of who we are as professionals, then we are operating at a disadvantage and we are not separating competitively from people. We are, we are one of many. We're just another coach or another consultant or another service provider. So JD, what words of advice do you have for someone who may be a little unsure about who she or he is? Because I do hear this a lot. And mm -hmm. especially if you've been pushed out of your job, which happens way more frequently than, than people realize. And in particular, it happens for reasons other than performance, right? So there's, right. A, there's a merger or an acquisition or a change in the marketplace or a new boss comes in, particularly a new boss who's younger and wants to make a name for himself or herself. They often look to the more highly compensated people as a place where they can show that they're saving money for the company. Correct. And again, I, I see this all the time and it has nothing at all to do with your performance. It's just you end up becoming a, a victim in uh, sort of what, what happens in corporate life. So, however, what that still does is it does a number on your self-confidence. And when your self-confidence is low, it's really hard to, to feel strongly about who you are when somebody has kind of taken a hammer to what will make you confident. So if you are a little unsure, you know, particularly we know that, that LinkedIn is something that you can edit many times a day if you want to. Are there things you can do that will still put a stake in the ground and say, this is how I'm positioning myself? And again, try to address the issue you raised of lack of clarity for the audience. Even if you're not 100% clear yourself, you can still present yourself in a way that is not going to cause confusion so that you have the best chance of whether it's getting, getting your first client or even if you're thinking about doing consulting on an interim basis, still positioning yourself well enough so that you don't cause confusion. What can you do to overcome those, those issues of lack of clarity? You have to grow into the role. You can't just sit back and take a look at other people's profiles and see what they're doing. First thing I would advise is never compare yourself to others. Find the original epicenter of your value and what I would call the dominant aspect of value. I've been using this term for quite a while, the dominant aspect of value. We all provide value or we all, we all claim to provide value. What does value look like? Well, we all know value is in the mind of the beholder. And, we'll, and many folks will tell you that consultants solve problems. Well, what is the problem you're trying to solve? So you have this kind of Venn diagram where you have, on the one hand, one circle will say your value or this dominant aspect of value. The other circle is the problem you solve. And when they merge, that area that is unearthed is, is your brand, 
your brand as an advisor? What do people think of when they think of you? Are, are you the, the go-to resource, the first call on a problem like this? And, and that's where marketing and brand management comes into play. But in the early stages of scratching out a consultancy, hanging out the shingle, so to speak, you just have to go with what's going to get you to the dance. And that is figure out what you're extremely good at, why people will hire you, retain you, and believe in the strength of your solutions. Identify those solutions. What are they? What do you do? And another piece that can't be underestimated is the power of visualization. You have to see yourself in these situations. You have to actually physically, mentally imagine yourself at the seat at the table, the virtual conference table these days, and really examine your role. What are you doing to move the needle for these client companies or these client businesses? So I think that a lot of it is you're marketing yourself on spec. You're acting as if. And eventually, the perceived value that you bring to the table will match the actual value that you provide to a client. Right. So that's actually really great advice, J.D. And so what you can do is position yourself with language on your profile that mm-hmm. matches matches that visualization, matches that as if. Yeah. And as you grow into it, you can strengthen your your language and your positioning. And if you discover that some of the ways that you've been visualizing may not work as well as you think with your target market, you can adjust it. Yeah, and you also uh, don't pay as much attention to the search engine as we have in years past. I, I don't think that these days people are are shopping internally on LinkedIn for that kind of advisor. Consultants are specialists, and currently they'll go off the recommendations of their network. So as the the new consultant is is building the presence, a huge piece of what goes into that presence is the network the community, what has been done. Because as, as you mentioned, when someone's in the corporate space, uh, there may not be the priority to network, but you really learn the value of an online community when you leave the company. And now you're out there on a limb on your own, looking to make connections and develop relationships, something that maybe you didn't have to do in years past. And the consultant works in the, in the referral realm. One client is great, But what's the economic value of that client? The economic value of that client is how you're able to sustain the relationship and have that client refer you to others. So I think there's something to be said for building the network around the value proposition and incrementally, too. I think it's very important to stress, David, that you can't do too much too soon. You can't go in there and and just completely oversaturate or overpower the medium. You really have to parse your value out incrementally. You don't flip some master switch, but you flip little switches along the way. Let's actually talk about how you build that network. Because you're right, consultants, the vast majority of business comes from referrals. So you're very much dependent upon your network to get those referrals. And, And yes, many people, when they're in corporate, either have networks that are not super valuable for them as consultants, or they they have a very thin network. So how can you use LinkedIn to build your network and yeah. build your referral base? Because that, that's a question I hear all the time. You are absolutely right. The purpose of social networking has now shifted. You networked a certain way when you were in the employ of a company. Maybe you didn't even have to network. Maybe you weren't in a client-facing role. But at some point, you probably had relationships with the stakeholders 
or with the B2B alliances that the company has developed, then you take with you that network. And you look at kind of literally on a case-by-case basis, do an internal audit of your network and isolate those names of people who you feel might be beneficial in helping you propagate or, or navigate your, your new role as a consultant. And I take my clients through this exercise as soon as the profile publishes. It's You can do a few things as the profile is being prepared, but once that profile goes up, it's uploaded and it's declaring you in this new role that's when you have to bring the people to the new information. LinkedIn is not going to inform them autonomously. You have to physically inform folks of your change, let them know how you are serving people in the professional world, and also cultivating new pieces of the relationship or new relationships altogether with folks who understand what you do and are aligned with you and can refer you into their existing clients. So things like direct messaging people on LinkedIn and letting them know this is what I'm doing now, check out my profile or or are there other ways? Yeah, absolutely. Direct messaging. I The way that I do it, and I'm always asked about my process, is slow and steady wins the race. I'm literally opening and managing dozens of conversations every day. And I'm hardwired for that. I have the ability to keep all of this in front of me, like almost like plate spinning. Where if, if, if one conversation starts to drop off, I just apply the requisite amount of force and keep that plate spinning. And that translates to effective LinkedIn use. The successful use of LinkedIn is conversation management done well. Mm-hmm. Now, one of the things that I see people do that, in my opinion, is a big mistake with LinkedIn is they use it almost like cold calling. And I get these uh, both message direct messages and requests to connect that are just blatant pitches for their services. Before anybody knows anything about me, it's clearly haven't really checked out much about my background and my experience and my network. And all they're doing is pitching their services and it really turns me off. Really, David, I think you're the only person that that's happening to on LinkedIn. Yeah, right. I see everybody as being completely courteous and respectful and not, not selling at all. And of course, I'm saying that tongue in cheek firmly. Yeah, of course. So let's talk about this slow and steady <laughs> building relationships. What are some of the strategies people should use to be able to start to connect and build relationships with people that they may not know at all? Well, I, I think the uh, the activity is is firmly embedded in the antithesis of what you just said. And you can stand out by being uh, ethical and respectful and adhere to the laws of etiquette on LinkedIn, having what I call a LinkedIn style. And it's in the way you approach people. It's in the way you accept an invitation and follow up with people or invite them to join your network. And it's composing an approach that's respect-based when you haven't had correspondence with this person, certainly since maybe your corporate days. So when you are taking the time to advance these conversations or open them, Obviously, courtesy and respect and timeliness, and you don't want to sell anything. To your point, I'm completely offended and insulted and annoyed by these sales pitches that are they're coming more frequently with each day. It, it, people are just not getting it. And that kind of is a byproduct of our shortcut-driven society. We, we want to work around. We want to hack. We don't want to do it ourselves. So we send these automated spammy software program messages 
to people we think are in our target market or are part of a, a, a list we've purchased from some list service uh, with the idea that maybe someone will respond and you can artificially uh, open a relationship with someone. I favor organic growth. And if you are building a consultancy, the only way to do it is to message people individually. Mm. Is there anything that you think people can do on LinkedIn that includes some kind of automation or do you think everything should be totally manual? I have never purchased a program to do any of this. I favor organic growth. I, everything that I've built on LinkedIn has come through my own observation and experience. And I've reached out to people who intrigue me. Sometimes it's a cold approach, but I bring in some commonality. Composing a cold approach for me is still a very lukewarm to warm approach because I've had some experience with them. I'm not saying things like, Hey, I'm out to connect with like-minded people or GJD. We have, we have so many connections in common. I thought it would be a great idea to connect. There's gotta be some interface between the invitation and the acceptance so that people can get off on the right, start speaking. And I do a lot of organic networking. I, I go to a lot of virtual meetups. I spoke around North America for years before the pandemic and built a, a wonderful network in, in multiple cities in North America. So I'm good with what I've done. I, I could easily have four or five times the network I have, but I choose to, to restrict my connecting with people that I've had direct experience with so that they know what I do. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. Do you think that people should not respond to requests to connect if it seems like the person who's requesting doesn't know much about you? Well, it's a case-by-case -case basis. I mean, given the unpredictability of LinkedIn and the vagaries of human relationships, the way they form and develop, you never know what's on the other end of that invitation and acceptance. So obviously, you have to believe in a just world and maybe put some faith and confidence into a growing the relationship. But just because someone accepts an invitation from anyone doesn't mean that they stay in a network. There's still hoops to jump through to prove your metal, so to speak, to someone professionally. But again, you run the risk of, of damaging a relationship by selling too soon after the LinkedIn connection is made. The best way is to adopt and cultivate a collaborative mindset so that when you come into these Zoom calls or these cold approaches, you're really just muffling some of this sales speak, just putting it in the background, just find out about the person as another human being. I mean, they're, they have battles. They're, they're dealing with stress, fatigue, loss, burden, worry. I mean, we know the mixed bag people have these days. It, it's, it's a credit that we're able to schedule so many Zoom meetings with people uh, because there's so much going on. And I look at that as a privilege. When someone makes the effort to, to schedule me on their calendar or I them, I take that very seriously. And they certainly don't want to be sold on the other end of, a, of an introductory Zoom call. It's a time to get to know each other. I run my Zoom meetings like interviews. I'm interested in what people have to say, where their story has taken them thus far. And I see if we're aligned. I teach and practice the fine art of alignment and seeing if there's a fit. Because as consultants, you don't just want business, David, you want good business. You want business that's going to stay on the books. And that a lot of that has to do with the, uh, the conversation and the early going. That is so well said, JD. If somebody wants to learn more about you and check out some of your, uh, your activity on LinkedIn or any place else, 
where would be the best place for them to go? I would say the best place would be LinkedIn. (laughs) It shouldn't surprise anybody that I maintain an account on LinkedIn and I'm quite active and quite easy to find. JD, I want to thank you so much for coming back for a second episode to do a deep dive on LinkedIn. Uh, It's been a great discussion. Uh, There's so many nuggets in this episode, particularly for high-achieving professionals that are just getting started with their consulting business and using LinkedIn as a primary means of organically building relationships with the right kinds of people. My guest today has been LinkedIn consultant and personal brand strategist with Owlish Communications, J.D. Gershbein. Thank you again, J.D., for joining us. Good to see you, David. Thank you for having me. When you visit the Smashing the Plateau website at smashingtheplateau.com, you'll find a summary of each episode along with the links we mentioned on the show. In today's episode, JD and I discussed how important your network is when you're a consultant. In fact, relationships are the foundation of the Smashing the Plateau community. Inside the Smashing the Plateau community, you'll experience the camaraderie of supportive, collaborative colleagues. You'll also find a range of tools and resources to support your business, access to experts, and answers to your burning questions. Check out the Smashing the Plateau community so that you can build a successful consulting business on your own terms, doing what you love and getting paid what you're worth. Learn more at smashingtheplateau.com community. That's smashingtheplateau.com community. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our show. I'll see you on our next episode.